Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. It says, whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. The idea here is someone who is continually committing sin. In our English translation, we don't understand the tense that is meant here in the original language. And sometimes when you read passages like that, it can make it seem like you know, you're perfect or that you should be perfect. And we know that none of us are perfect. There's only one who is perfect, Jesus Christ. Welcome, everyone, to Truth in Christ Radio for today. John defines sin at its most basic root. It is a disregard for the law of God, which is inherently a disregard for the lawmaker, God himself. We often fail in the battle against sin because we won't call it for what it is, lawlessness, an offense against the great lawmaker, God. Instead, we say things like, I messed up, or... I made a mistake. Call it for what it is, sin and lawlessness. The first step towards holy living is to recognize the true nature and wickedness of sin. And now, let's open our Bibles to 1 John chapter 3 and follow along with Pastor Rob. Up to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. Let me just read uh, verses 4 down through 15. Uh, We covered certainly verses uh, 1 through 9 last week, but I'd like to pick up in verse 4 and go onward. But let's just read verse 4 through 15. It says, Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. And you know that he was manifested, speaking of Jesus, to take away our sins. And in him there is no sin. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. And he who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. And whoever has been born of God does not sin. For his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of the wicked one and murdered his brother, And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. 
And he who does not love his brother abides in death, and whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. So, Father, we just thank you for this, uh, this passage in this scripture. Father, help us, Lord, uh, from the exhortation of the apostle of love, as he has been called, Lord, to, to learn this uh, and to not only learn it, but it put it, to put it into practice, Father. So help us to be motivated by love in all things that we say and that we do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. If we look in verse 4 here, it says... Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. The idea here is someone who is continually committing sin. In our English translation, we don't understand the tense that is meant here in the original language. And sometimes when you read passages like that, it can make it seem like you know, you're perfect or that you should be perfect. And we know that none of us are perfect. There's only one who is perfect, Jesus Christ. He is the only one who is without sin. But you and I, even with a new nature within us, we still continue at times to sin. It shouldn't be something that's a habit or something that we continuously do, something that we're bent on, something that's more of a more consistent in our life than, than not sinning. The, the opposite should be true. There should be, as a believer, as a child of God, there ought to be this desire for holiness and to walk in righteousness. That ought to be the norm, and then occasionally we fall and we trip into sin. And that's really what this... These verses are really referring to all verse 4 through verse 9 are really speaking of this idea of continuous present tense. Let me get, let's get into it. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness. Who's ever habitually continuing in it? And you know that he, Jesus, was manifested to take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. Notice verse 6, it says, whoever abides in him. There's another one of those words, whoever continues to abide. It's not, you know, it's something that you we do on a consistent basis. It's not just we hang out with Jesus for a little while and then we go do our own thing. No, we abide in him. That, that, that speaks of a permanence. It speaks of something that we do on a more consistent level. Whoever abides in him does not sin. And that what that means is, if you're abiding in Christ continuously, you're not going to continue in a pattern of sin. Are you going to sin? Absolutely. Even if you're abiding in him, there are going to be times where you're going to mess up. Think you're going to have a wicked thought. You're going to do some thing, maybe some habitual thing that you know comes back every now and then. We need to confess those things, and we need to ask God to forgive us and repent from them. And when we do trip on the same thing again, what do you do? Do you give up? Do you just throw in the towel? <laughs> People do that. They're like, well, this Christianity stuff means nothing. Where's the power? Well, you've got to get on your knees, and you've got to fight. You've got to get on your knees, and you've got to ask God to forgive you when, you when you sin. And guess what? You don't stop. You get back up again, and you keep going. That is the good news, because he's given you the strength to do that. Oftentimes when we sin, how often do we stop and right dead in our tracks before we say that thing, before we do that deed, whatever it is, we know it's coming upon us. We can feel it. We're just on the precipice of going forward with it. That is the time, brothers and sisters, we need to drop to our knees. 
You drop to your knees and you say, God, I'm about to do this horrible thing, horrible thing. I'm mad. I'm angry. I'm about to say this word that I know is just going to cut them off at the knees. I'm about to do this action that I know is wrong. You've told me it's wrong. It's in your word. It's replete throughout your word that it's wrong. And I want to do it, Lord. Whatever it may be, you stop and you drop and you pray with all of your heart and you turn from that thing and the power will be there. But oftentimes we're so easy to cave into the flesh. And that's really what it's talking about here is someone who is continually doing it. There's no restraint at all. And, and, and that's very, uh, the, the very life of a child, uh, a child of the devil. Uh, someone who is not born again, that is the mark of their life. That is the hallmark of an unbeliever. They don't know what to do but give in and cave in. There's no resisting, very little resisting, but you and I as a child of God, sinning should be something that happens every now and then. And hopefully the less and less as we walk, as we abide in him. But notice what it says. So whoever abides in him does not continue to sin. And whoever continues to sin in that pattern, where it's the the more of the thing that they do, has not seen him nor known him. And that's what it means. That's what it means. So when we look at these chapters or these verses in this section, this is not speaking of sinless perfection. There's only one who is sinless and perfect, but we are sinful. That's why we need a Savior. That's why we need the Holy Spirit in us to give us the strength to resist those things. And I say that because of what happens in in the first chapter of this very letter. You remember, I'm just going to read it to you, verses 8 through 10. This is John speaking, the apostle. He says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. If we say that we have no sin nature, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he Jesus Christ is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if we say we have not sinned, these are the individual acts of sin, we make him a liar. If we say, oh, I don't sin, then we make him a liar because he told us in the Bible over and over again, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It's many places in the scripture, all have sinned and come short. There's no none good, no, not one, the Bible tells us. So that leads us all into the same place. But he goes on in verse 7, he says, Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. And he who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. And again, we have to um, go back to the original language here and look at some of this stuff. Because when he says, um, he who practices righteousness, in verse 7, that's a continuous action. That's something that is a, a, a present thing that you're continuing to do. That's what it means. He who practices righteousness is righteous. And it shows by the actions and the speech, doesn't it? It it proves itself by the very actions that we do, that we are righteous because righteousness is in us, because we're doing that. But notice, he who sins is of the devil because he who continues to sin, someone who is unbridled in their lust or whatever it is, he who continues to sin is of the devil. For the devil has sinned and continues to sin from the very beginning. Notice the difference there. He who is righteous does righteousness. He who does not do righteousness is unrighteous. And their works show themselves. In fact, in Matthew 7, verse 15, uh, Jesus 
Speaking, he says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. They have the outward appearance of being something, but inside is a completely different thing. He says, You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear good fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. And every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. You will know them by their fruits, by their actions. If I'm born again and yet I'm continuing a life of sin, i got reason to question. If, if the reality of my walk with Jesus is, is, is like I'm not walking with Jesus, I better go back to the drawing board. I better get on my knees again at the cross and say, Lord, did I ever really know you to begin with? Am I just playing games with you? Am I really born again? Because listen, you can have an assurance of salvation. The Bible teaches that. You can know that you are saved. The Bible says later on, we're going to get into it in Romans chapter 8, that the Holy Spirit himself bears witness with your spirit that you are a child of God. There comes a point where you will know that. You will know that. And there is a great assurance. And isn't that part of the package? It's not just the the, the knowledge that my sins have been forgiven and that I'm ultimately going to be in heaven one day. It's so important for me to have the assurance because doesn't that take away the wrath? Doesn't that take away the the mental angst, the anxiety of where am I going to go? Where am I going? Where am I going? I did this bad thing. Now I'm you know, doomed to hell. Hey, listen, if you're in that place of, of really questioning whether you know him or not, I'm not going to try and convince you that you're not saved. Go to the cross again and ask. I don't know how many times I got born again. And, and I say that with an asterisk because it happened once. But in my life, I've noticed that there were things that I did, things that I thought, things that happened, that I started to question that. And if I had any doubt at all, I wouldn't sit there and argue with doctrine. I would say, Lord, if there's any part of me that's not saved, save me. Right now, save me. Save, redeem every fabric, every molecule of my body. Redeem me, God. If I've been playing games and, I, and, I, and I'm just trying to feel good about myself, can, you know, just convict my heart. Take it. Take me. Consume me. There's nothing wrong with that. I believe in one, when you're saved, you are always saved. You're not going to lose that salvation. But let me tell you, the devil can influence you such a way where your, 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 your walk, your witness, your your life can be a complete wreck because you've never surrendered completely to the areas of the flesh that the devil's trying to poke at you and trying to goad you into doing. And then you find yourself shipwrecked. You may be born again, but your life is a mess. Why do you want to live like that? Make the, make the cut right now. Make the cut today and say, you know what? I'm tired of living this way. I'm tired of living on the fence. I no longer want to have this question mark, this, this little cloud over my head of what if. No, you need to know and you can know today that Jesus Christ has saved you and it's really simple and yet it's the hardest thing in the world to do because it's a battle of the will and you have to surrender your will. Have you surrendered your will completely to him? surrender my will. I want to do my thing. But it wasn't until I surrendered, and I'm still doing it, by the way, I'm still surrendering my will. Every area, as I find out, I just want to go to him and say, Lord, you know, I, I, I can't believe I'm thinking this. I can't believe I'm feeling this. My attitude really stinks, Lord. I, I can't believe that, I'm, that this is going on. And the Lord's going, I knew it all along, Rob. 
And I still love you. I'm not mad at you. I'm not angry with you. I died on the cross to secure your place in heaven. You're going through it just like everybody else is going through it. And you need to yield to me. And when I yield to him, boy, the blessed fruit of peace and of righteousness just overflows you, doesn't it? The, The peace. And you abide in that. You continue to abide in that. And this is, and so when, when we think about this idea of, 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 of examining fruits, first in our own lives and, and in others too, we don't have to go around picking at each other, and that's where judging comes in. You know, judging is an interesting thing. And I think in our culture, even in the church, we've gotten this kind of funny because whenever anybody is um, caught on the carpet of something, you know, say they have a filthy mouth, and they, they're claiming to be a Christian, and yet in the workplace, their mouth is just feel, filled with vile stuff. And then another brother comes along and says, hey, man, you, you know, what's, this just doesn't make sense. Why, why are you speaking like that? Oh, don't judge me, brother. He's misunderstanding. We are allowed in the Scripture to call the color red the color red. We're allowed to call the color blue the color blue. We're allowed to call a spade a spade. But we better be careful of our own heart, right? Because as soon as you remove that, then anything goes. No, we've been given that consciousness of right and wrong. God put it in us to know right and wrong. It's okay to say something is right or wrong. You need to first look in your own heart and say, Lord, is what I'm doing right or wrong? And that's really the idea around judging. You know, when we judge somebody, are we, are we doing it in such a way where um, we're, we're, um, we're condemning them, uh, the person? Are we doing it out of self-righteous? Are we being hypocritical? Are we censoring them? These are the kind of things, you know, harsh criticism, when in fact we're doing some of the very same things, that's when it's wrong. But for us to call truth, truth, and, and, and evil, evil, we have to be willing to do that. And you have the right to do that, because later on, you'll see this in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, Judge not that you be not judged, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank that's in your own, uh, own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, uh, a redwood forest is growing in his own eye? He says, hypocrite, first remove the blank, the plank from your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to, to remove the speck from your brother's eye. You know, we cannot judge a person's motive. We need to be able to say and, and, and call it for what it is. But we better be careful in our own hearts. But it's not wrong to do that. One one person said, "I'm not a I'm not a judge, but I'm a fruit inspector," and they meant first in their own life. We've been called to know right from wrong. It's not wrong to say something is wrong, but we cannot tell what motivates a person to do something. We're not to condemn them but we can see clearly what kind of person they are by their fruits, by the things that they do. In Romans chapter 1, verse 18, Paul said this, he says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and righteousness. And here's the verse, Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. Within every human being, there's this sense morally of of right and wrong. And he didn't put it there so that we could put a blanket over it and say, well, nothing really exists. See, in our culture, unfortunately, it's not politically correct to say anything negative about anything. Even when something that is truly bad gets a negative response, the one who is telling the truth is maligned for being negative. 
Is it true? Isn't that true? And this is certainly a scheme of the devil. And have you felt the pressure to put a muzzle on what you know was to be what you know was true and what you know was wrong, and yet you don't want to point out the thing that's wrong because you're afraid of somebody coming up to you and saying, "Oh, you're just being judgmental." So what? Now, do I need to go first and look at my own heart? Yes, I do. But can I see something that's bad? If you see, you know, somebody running through a red light, it's wrong, isn't it? But we live in a culture today where where everyone's saying, well, not really. I mean, to the person who was going through the red light, they felt that it was green. They felt that it was green. Yeah, he was, this young lady was born with uh, feminine parts, but she feels like she's something else. Nonsense. You're born a male or female. And yet now we've messed it all up. Our whole culture, our whole system is messed up. And boy, the, the rooster is coming home. <laughs> you know, our, our rooster is getting cooked because they're seeing it. I just saw a thing today, and, and sorry to get off on this, but it, I think it, it fits in here. Some young people who have been uh, going into being a transgender, they've been told by their family, maybe their parents, you know, that, um, oh, because you, you, know, you played with dolls when you were a little boy, you know, when you were like two years old, because they don't know any better. They're just looking at the thing. They don't know the distinction. Then, then they start going down this road of making them think that he's a female, and some of them have actually had operations to change their sex. I saw an article this morning that says that many of those people, there's, there's a lot of them now, and it's not being reported in the news, they're, they're wishing they had never done it, and it's messing them up completely but you won't hear that on our precious news. It's a scheme of the devil. Everyone's feeling pressure to put a muzzle on anything, to to call it what it is. We are to call what is good, good, and what is evil, evil. It's madness that we're living in, folks. We need to return to sanity in this country. We need to return to sanity in love, in love, in love. You know, it's, it's, do you ever get frustrated I do. Sometimes I get frustrated, and sometimes I don't always... I'm on the edge of being in jeopardy myself because of the way I respond to certain things like I've shared with you. That just makes me angry inside. Because I know who God is as much as I can know. I know enough to know that He's a good God, and His ways are perfect. And He doesn't create people so that they're, 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 they're condemned to do this sin. You were born that way, therefore you've got... No, that's a bunch of nonsense. You have a choice in everything you do. You have a choice to rob the bank. You have a choice to determine what's, you know, whether you're going to admit to yourself that you're a male or female. I mean, just... It's obvious. We need to return to sanity but in love. Notice in verse 8, He who sins is of the devil... The devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, I love this, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might, that Jesus might destroy the works of the devil. Remember, folks, the devil does not win. There are those who think that Satan, uh, there are actually people who worship Satan who think that it's just fun and games to associate themselves with the devil, but it's no laughing matter. It's no laughing matter. Their friends aren't having a party in hell. Have you heard that phrase? Yeah, man, I'm going to hell because that's where my friends are. We have no idea. That's just ignorance. It is. It's ignorance. They say that not knowing the truth because the Bible tells us, Jesus tells us the truth. 
There is one way, there's one truth, there's one life, and it's him. It's Jesus Christ. But the devil, he will give you the high and the thrill of power and having the upper hand, and it's temporal. And he may appear to have the headway right now, but for those who have the Spirit of God in him, greater is he that is in you, child of God, than he that is in the world. Amen. Greater is the Spirit of God in you than he that is in the world. Isn't that what it says in 1 John 4? And I love the fact that the Antichrist and the nations under his influence, as we get, as we come to this conclusion of our age, as, as it gets further along here, and we're at the end of the end, I'm looking forward to the day when the Antichrist... I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as we continue our study in John's epistles. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.